Happy Friday, everybody. It's Payday Friday. It's Julio. And Leslie. And this is Hold Up. How much? La, 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 la. Canta con mi coro, oye como va. La, 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 la. Deja la tristeza, échala pa' allá. What's going on, everybody? It's Julio, and I'm joined here by the aromic, sensational, delectable Leslie Munoz. How are you today? I'm really good. Actually, he's being a little, like, over it because he's kind of annoyed at me, so that's okay. Yes, because you smell like petunias. But welcome to another episode of Hold Up How Much. This is episode seven. Made to another lucky episode. number seven. Ooh, is seven really a lucky number, though? I like the number 42. <laughs> Why? But if you add the four and the two, it means six, and six isn't such a lucky number. Six might not be a lucky number for you, but in some countries, six is the number of majesties. I don't think in any country it's a number. <laughs> there is a country. I will look it up somewhere oh on Googlepedia or wherever i got to go to. But anyways, so again, another episode. You know, we just got over the holidays. And I say get, got over because I feel like the holidays never end. It's like he just continues. and continues. I didn't even know what day is today. What day is today? Today is the second. There it is. So we went through Christmas. We went through New Year's. We had an awesome Christmas. You know, JJ got to open a lot of presents. Did he open a lot of cool stuff? Yes, he got, um, from us, he got a walker. And he Not got... Not like the old, like, oh my God, walker. <laughs> <laughs> I can fly. <laughs> he got like a little, like a little buggy that you push and... Then he got a bunch of toys from family, and he got a, he got this really cool. What, what was that thing? The red wagon. The radio flyer. Yes, radio flyer. Um, it's not a wagon, but it's like a little push bike, and then turns into bike when he gets older. I don't from know if it's because I've been. I don't know if it's because I've been living in Texas for too long. But every time I hear a wagon, I I think of the song. Brave, let me ride like a wagon wheel. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that song. Goes. What are you talking about? The wagon wheel song. I want to ride a wagon wheel. Um, I know what song you're talking about, but I can't think of the name, and that's pretty sad. But that's not how that song goes at all. Is it a love song? <laughs> it sounds like a love song. Move on for this song. But anyway, so yeah, so he opened a lot of presents. We had New Year's, you know? Yes. You know, we partied it up, popped the champagne. No, we did not. You know no, how we he, partied it up? No, so this is the funny thing, is that he was like, I'm going to have some drinks because it's my last time because one of his resolutions was not to give up alcohol. Not that he's an alcoholic, but he's trying to trim out his girlish figure. I like the sauce. <laughs> so he put the champagne, because we've had the champagne since JJ was born. And he put it in the fridge so that we could drink it at midnight. We did not make it to midnight. I think we were in bed by 10. As soon as <clears> they saw that he could hit the sack and he was able to sleep, I, we said, okay, go. And we went to bed and we just passed out. First good sleep that we've had in a long while. Yeah. But yeah, so then, you know, New Year's and here we are. Uh, we are enjoying every second of 2020. I hope 2020 is bringing as much magic to your lives as it is to us. I know that magic is magical <laughs> for 2020. Why are you so weird? <laughs> because I like to keep it interessante. Oh my God. So, segueing into our episode today, you know, one of the things we were talking about as we've met with... You know, family, we've met with friends, we've met with folks. Um, 
you know, in what we've been in this avenue that we've been doing, is really talking about the prospect of buying a house. You know, I remember when we bought our first house. You know, it was super easy, right? It was like the easiest thing in the world buying that first house. To be honest with you, like Coolio covered everything because I was working, and honestly, like I. He could have literally bought us a shack, and I would have... Well, I would have an idea, because he showed me the pictures. But he covered most of the logistical stuff. Um, it was not easy. So I have to give him props for that. I, I'm going to be honest with you. It was not easy. And I'm going to be honest with you, we also got a little... Um, we got a, we, we also got a little taken for in some areas, which is why I felt that as we went along with these podcasts, we really needed to talk about the prospect of buying a house and how to buy a house. This is not something we're going to be able to cover in one podcast. I'm telling you right now, we just can't. So I want to cover it in three different segments. And the first one's going to be, you know, really talking about why you're buying a house and what the types of loans are that there are for a house. If you really look at purchasing a house, most of Americans nowadays are taking out a loan to buy a house. Very few, I would say less than 15 to 20% are actually paying for a house in cash. And if you actually look at the, you know, the average age of, of, of the average age of a home buyer, you know, especially in the millennials generation, you know, we're either renting or we're still living with our parents because of student loans and because of debts that we have. So for us that are, or for others that are in the market seeking a house, it's, you know, how do we make the right choice and what loan do we get? Or how do we know, you know, where to go as our first step when buying a house? So that's going to be, this episode is going to be more about, you know, why are you buying a house? And what are the loans that are out there to buy a house? Next episode, I want to talk about the process of close, getting ready for closing. If you're going to build a house, you know what to expect when you're going to even buy a used house. When I say used, I mean a house has been, you know, that's been lived in, you know, you know, maybe two, three, four, five years. You know, it doesn't have to be a house that's 30 years old, but anything that's been lived in for, you know, has, has already been built, has already had an owner, is considered a used house. And then for episode three, we're going to look at, you know, try to hear from the other side. There's the buyer side and then also looking at the seller side. So really trying to identify, you know, what that process looks like, you know, when you're working with a seller, when you're working with a realtor, when you're working on getting that house. So for episode three, it's really going to do a deep dive on both sides. What are the expectations from the buyer? What are the expectations from the seller? And, you know, as we go, we're, you know, we're working to see if we can have maybe a guest. So yes. as we get closer to episode three, we'll definitely dive into that a little deeper. But with that, uh, let's talk about why you want to buy a house. When we first bought a house, it was, I remember... Out of necessity. Giant necessity. We had just moved. <clears throat> uh, we had just been relocated. With orders. Know, with orders to Jacksonville, North Carolina, Camp Lejeune. And, uh, you know, the, the magical location Paradise. in the United States. If you have not traveled there, go there on vacation. You will see the one Walmart. What's that song that's like, oh, no, not the Paradise song. It's like, oh, things white. Is that Phil Collins? Wow. <laughs> you do, your Phil Collins is beautiful. <laughs> Shout out. So, um, you know, one of the things, so, you know, when we first bought our house, you know, it was out of necessity, but I remember, you know, after we bought that house and we got out of the military and we came back to San Antonio, you know, we did live with Leslie's parents for a little bit, but then we started looking for our f- quote unquote forever home. And <clears throat> when we, when we actually started looking for a house, we didn't ask ourselves, why are we buying a house? We just said, Hey, 
let's go look at houses. And the idea was, oh, let's just go look for a house. Why we, we we didn't ask why do we why do we need a house? Do we can we afford a house? We had no idea on um, our budget or what we could afford. Like none. Yeah. We just thought we were getting like because we both got like really good jobs that paid obviously more than what we were making in Jacksonville and what he was making in the military. So we're like, oh my god, we're rich. Yeah, we can we can afford anything. Mm-hmm. We so had no idea. We made the mistake that many make when they're buying a house. And the yes. first thing we did was we just went to the road and we just said, let's look let's go look at houses. <laughs> and we saw these palaces. We're like, oh, oh my. Okay, it wasn't a palace, but like Is that an was, elevator? They were, <laughs> No, didn't have an elevator. He's is that a butler's pantry? He's a, yeah, it did have a butler's pantry. Does this have a <clears throat> wine cooler for my Bartles and Jay? Oh, God. My spritzers? But, no, so, but yeah, it was, so we started looking at houses. And I remember we just started seeing, like, they were throwing out these crazy numbers. We were like, oh, what size house do you need? Oh, I don't know what kind of size, what size houses do you have? Oh, does 4,500 square feet sound great? That sounds Plenty to me, or that sounds a little small. You got anything six thousand square feet? I'm no, like, <laughs> you didn't. No. Do you have anything Be with realistic. two butler's pantry? No, I'm just kidding. No, but we we started saying, you know, I don't know, uh, what's the average square footage? And of course, anywhere you go, they're gonna say whatever they have is their average square footage for a house. So people were like, oh, you know, thirty three hundred square feet, or oh, twenty nine hundred square feet, or you know. So we didn't know anything. So we were just going along with it. Like, oh yeah, great. And then they were throwing out numbers like. Uh, oh, this house is $450,000. This house is $525,000. Oh, that one over oh, there? and we both go, oh, okay. Oh, it sounds great. Yeah, I think we could afford no, that. I, well, payments, yeah. you know, we, we're like estimating these really like non-real payments in our heads. We're like, oh, you know, 1500 bucks for a $600,000 house. Right, right. And I'm like, and I, we I'll never dumb. forget it. We just... We really had no concept. So what ends up... We the, had no clue. Yeah, we had no concept and no clue. I think it was a little bit of both. So I think what ended up happening was we um, we ended up going to... Uh, we went to one of these houses that we really loved yes. that was like <clears throat> almost in the fives. And like $500,000 range. And it backed up to um, this... Um, we Here we have a state park called Government Canyon. It backed up to it. So it's going to be... There wasn't going to be anyone behind there. And now that we think about it, we're like, there wasn't going to be anyone behind there but a bunch of boars. Yeah. so Wild pigs. Yeah. So what ends up happening is, like, we basically sit down with a finance guy. <laughs> so we put down the, uh, the uh, you know, the down payment for the house. Well, the, the actual, so you have to put down um, some earnest money uh, to, uh, for the, to get the actual property. So it was like $2,000 to put that down. And then we go sit down with a finance guy. And he starts running our are he, I guess I knew for a fact when he saw how much we made and he started going to see how much debt we had I know for a fact that guy knew we couldn't afford that house but he was being very very nice about it so he started going through um through our paperwork and he just started asking us random questions he goes so um I started going through your debt and I see that you know you make this much you make that much and you have a vacation club you have four credit cards you have two cars, you have... And you just start naming everything. He goes, you guys are sitting... He goes, the average person when they're buying a house, they want to be anywhere between you know, 30 and 40% debt-to-income ratio. He goes, you guys are sitting at 75. I was like, uh? I go, so does that mean that we have to kind of work on this to get to, you know, to buy this house? He goes, you can't afford this house. 
<laughs> he goes, even if you paid off, let's say, half of your stuff. Yeah. He's like, but okay. Yeah. He's like, even if you paid off, you know, 40% of what you have here, I can possibly qualify you for a $120,000 house. I'm like, $120,000? Where are we going to live for $120,000? I know right now where we could live. So. Oh, man. I was like, and I was freaking out. I was like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? So... As I, you know, as we went on, you know, it, it kind of, as we, you know, went through our journey and, you know, we ended up getting, finding a house and, you know, we'll get through those stories in a little bit. But as I start talking to people, you know, I tell folks, whenever you're looking to buy a house, the first thing you need to do is, why am I buying a house? Are you buying a house out of necessity? Are you buying a house because you want to keep up with the Joneses? Or are you buying a house because you want to live to Ricky Martin? I don't know. But if it's the Ricky Martin Oh, it'll be that logo. <laughs> I was trying to figure out what he meant by that. Ricky Martin. He's, he's my yes. cousin. No, I'm just kidding. No, he's not. He's Puerto Rican. Hey, we could be cousins somehow. I'm just kidding. But um, you need to really put a, you need to put a why in why you're buying a house. And the reason I say that is you really have to have a conversation with your spouse or your significant other. Really sit or down. Or yourself if you're or, just buying exactly, a house by yourself. Exactly. Even that's a good point. Because a lot of times, you know, you know, people are buying houses by themselves. And you need to sit down and you really need to, you know, come to terms on why you're buying that house. Are you buying it because you want to improve your current situation? Can you truly afford a house right now? And honestly, is a house the right investment for you now? Here's why I say this. A lot of people say, well, you need to buy because when you rent, you're throwing away your money. But the problem is, a lot of times your only option is to rent because you might not have the money to put down. You might not have the money for closing costs. You might not have the money for earnest money. So don't be You might not have the money for the actual house payment. Payment, exactly. So you can't be embarrassed if, if you're renting or if you have to start off by renting. Or that's, renting a house. That's perfectly fine. Yeah, there's, there's nothing wrong with any of that. You have to start somewhere. The goal is, where I'm at now, can I make it to the point where I can buy a house today? Am I ready to buy a house today? If the answers for that are yes, and if you're, you know, if you're confident in that you're ready to buy a house, the next thing, the next step is you need to know what you can afford. The number one mistake everybody always makes when they say, okay, we're going to go buy a house, is they immediately get in their car. They drive to, you know, depending on what state you're in, but they go and start looking for open houses or they go on Zillow, shout out, or they go on Realtor.com, shout out. And basically, they're just trying to figure out, you know, trying to start looking for things that they don't even know if they can afford. When you're buying a house, you really need to know what your budget is before you even go out there. That's why I remember And back- I would also say, too, not to, like, yeah. interrupt you, but even for people that are in the military, because, you know, there's lots of military here in our town, um... That are going to be using the VA loan. That's all like well and good. But you have to think of, you know, longevity wise or selling wise. Will you still be able to afford this if you get orders? Will you still be able to afford this? You know, if you get out of the military, you know, or will you be able to afford this? Like if someone, if you, if you end up running it out because you end up PCSing, which means moving away or getting orders out, can you afford that? Yeah, no, you're being I wanted to throw that in. No, absolutely, and and a lot of people might say, "Oh, I'm using the VA loan," but I mean, we you really still need to make sure you get a house that you can afford with your salary. Absolutely, because a lot a lot of things you know, and we'll talk about it here is area, you know, resale is can you rent out things like that. And, and by no means, I would like to say this PSA: Are we saying that we are the experts 
um, on this topic. Mm -hmm. Um, But we just want to share like what we have known like what we found out, you know, to help others. Yeah, and we, we've, we've, how do I say, we've, we've been burned, we've made mistakes, and I think it's it's always good to learn from people's mistakes in order to make sure that you when you're... the same. Yeah, and when you're going into your journey, you take a different path or take a better path. So the next thing I recommend is actually sit down and write down what... First of all, what you, you should already have a plan of what you already owe. So you should already be working on your debt, be working on reducing your debt, being able to eliminate your debt. The big thing is write down once you're able to you know sit when you sit down with a realtor and you actually you know put down before you even look at a house or even what I recommend is sit down with a a more uh, a mortgage um, mortgage uh, broker who's basically the person who's going to do the the mortgage uh, for you. Now, a lot of times you will go with this uh, person who's doing who's writing your mortgage. Uh, a lot of times you if you're going with a new build, you can, you can go with the mortgage company of the builder. But it's always good to sit down with somebody who does a, who is like a mortgage investment uh, advisor to be able to sit down and actually they can put the pay, you know numbers on paper and show you what you can afford and what you actually qualify for. Uh, I remember back in 07, 08, you know, after the market crash, when you wanted to buy a house, you were required to have a kind of a, a pre-approval letter. The pre-approval letter basically said, hey, this person... Uh, does qualify for X amount of loan. And a lot of times you also have to put 20 and 30% down, which is pretty crazy. I mean, if you think about it now, I mean, now we've gone back down to where you can put 5% or even 3% down for a house and you basically you can uh, buy a home. So I think it's important that if you're going to start the process of the purchase, know what you can afford. Once you know what you can afford, you know what kind of house you can start looking for. I know a lot of times we say to ourselves, man, I really wish I could afford X or I really wish I could afford Y. But I'm going to kind of give you an example of us going into a situation, really not researching, not doing anything. And it was when we, our first house, when we first went to North Carolina. And I know that there wasn't, we didn't have really much time to research. Uh, I remember when we were first getting ready to go into the area, I started reaching out to realtors. And I, well, first off, we wanted to live on base because we were like, well, you know, the best case scenario is we can live on base and we can go that route. But they were saying it's going to be like three, four, five months before we can get you a house on base. And I was literally leaving like within the next month. So that was out of the question. So we said, well, let's start looking at a – Well, let's look, yeah, and let's look for a realtor that can help us find an apartment in a good area. Because we didn't know the market. We didn't know the area. We didn't, and we put a lot of trust in a person we didn't know. We had no clue about. We just didn't – we didn't know they would guide us the right direction. But and all the apartment searches like came up with like nothing, nothing which is yeah. it, it, which was crazy because we didn't understand that. Because if you look at apartment like dot com or whatever that place is called, different websites, um, you'll be able to find something. Well, there was like literally like two apartment, three apartment complexes that were coming up, and they looked like rough, yeah. real rough. And I was like, how is this possible that there are no apartments? So it was basically going back, and you know, so that's when we reached out to a realtor and said, listen. Uh, we, you know, we need, we need an apartment. We're trying to see, you know, what we qualify for. And on there for she goes, well, you know, with any apartment, you're going to have to put first and, you know, your first month, uh, you got to put, you know, your deposit and then a first month. And I remember telling her, we don't have any of that money. We didn't have any money to put down. Cause you know, I mean, average rent over there was what? Like six, 700 bucks. Yeah. About, about I mean, sometimes 900, sometimes 900 bucks. So we had to, we would have to put 900 Plus another like between another seven to nine hundred dollars down, so we would have, to have had to come to the table with at least maybe sixteen hundred dollars, eight sixteen to eighteen hundred bucks 
to even move into an apartment. I'm like, we don't have that kind of money. Mm-hmm. And it, it, that's the crazy part. We, we, we were swimming in debt. We had no savings. We had no money put away. So we were, I was freaking out. I'm like, what do we do? So the, I remember the realtor started telling me, well, have you thought about you know maybe buying something? And I said, well, I've never bought anything, you know, and I, I don't know how the process would work. We never bought a house. So um, she said, well, you have the VA loan, and which we'll talk here in about in a second. So you don't have to put any money down, and you can just go right into um, into a townhouse. There's these townhouses in this nice area of town that we can, you know, get you in. I didn't research. I didn't do any kind of background check. I didn't look at not background check as far as the background of the area. I didn't look at the... There are things that you that I think of now that I would have never thought of when I was first buying a house. The first thing I would have done is, and I recommend to anybody buying a house is, first of all, look at the area you're buying in. Are the prices of that area the highest they've ever been, or are they kind of are, are they being average? Are people buying up these uh, houses or townhouses or apartments mm-hmm. at a fast pace? Is it something that is flying off the shelves, or you know is it taking its time? But also the price. Is the price in this area the highest it's been ever, or is it is it something that the price fluctuates quite a bit? You're seeing that people are selling up, uh, you know, townhouses or apartments or houses at you know an average rate, and then you know certain people are selling it for less, or is it at the all time high? Also, are you buying in an area where the resale value is good? Are there a lot of people moving into this area? Are the prices of this area growing? So these are things that I never even asked myself. So I said, yeah, sure, let's go look. You know, I I definitely show me what you can you can what you can put me in, what I qualify for, and we'll go from there. So her response was, I can get you qualified for X. That should have been red flag number one. Whenever somebody says I can get you qualified, you should be very hesitant because being quali- being qualified and getting qualified are two very different things. It's important to make sure you are qualified rather than somebody working some numbers to get you qualified. Because a lot of times when you get qualified within your first year or two, if you truly cannot afford that house, you're in bad shape. And I'm talking about to the point where you can actually lose the townhouse, the apartment, or the house that you're trying to buy. Second thing is, if somebody's trying to get you into something, they're, they're trying to find a way to work a system. Sometimes they're, they're honest about it. But sometimes they're trying to work a system in order to get you to fit the mold of being in this house, this townhouse, or this apartment. So know right off the bat, when you're working with, not all realtors are bad. I think a lot of there are a lot of great realtors out there. But there are also realtors that are out there that at the end of the day, they need to make a profit. They need to make a paycheck. So while there are people that are out there to do good, a lot of people are out there to also make a buck. So it's important that you know that you have to do the research yourself and you need to be able to go out there and see what you qualify for without having somebody make a buck off of you or make a sucker out of you too. Mm-hmm. So I remember that she told, I'll never forget, she says, we, I, can get you, I can get you qualified for these townhouses that are going up. They're beautiful, they're great. And granted, we were not in the area. We would not be in the area to even look at the, you know, the townhouse, the apartment, the area. So it was a lot of word of mouth of what, uh, the realtor was telling us and a lot of trust in what she was showing us. So um, when, you know, when we started, you know, talking to her, she started showing us these townhouses and they were, they're beautiful. They were beautiful. I mean, they, they were brand spanking new. They were just being built. You know, they were going for, you know, I, uh, they were going for a re- what I thought was a relatively good price. I'm from Miami, Florida. So 
anything in the hundred thousand dollar range. I and you know, brand spanking new, I think it's a godsend. Um, and then what ends up happening is I start noticing that, you know, little things here and there. You know, we're trying to get, we're trying to rush to closing because we're, we're going to be moving and paperwork is being sent to us. And I did not read any paperwork. What I basically did was I took the paperwork, I looked at it, I asked, what is this? What is that? And they would just give me brief descriptions. Oh, this is just your, um, you know, to approve to go through the mortgage with this lending company. I didn't ask who the lending company was. I didn't ask if they're reputable. I didn't ask. I didn't ask anything. I just basically said, "Well, what's this? Sounds good. Sign the paper. Moved on. Well, what's this? Oh, you need my social? Okay, great. Anyways, long story short, we get to North. Uh, the idea was we were going to buy a house that was going to be about one hundred fourteen thousand nine hundred. Um, this was a townhouse, and um, we would only have to put five hundred down, and we would get the five hundred back at closing, which I thought was something amazing. Oh, and, and the bu- iPad. Oh, and by the way, we got an iPad also. Yippity doodah. <laughs> so, you know, I think I would have been better off just buying the iPad somewhere else. So, um, they and the, what they told me was, hey, your interest rate's gonna be X. I think it was like 3.75, which I thought was great. I mean, I mean, it's, it's 2010, you know, interest rates are still kind of high. So I was like, okay, man, 3.75, that's awesome. So we get to North Carolina. Didn't even get to scope out the place. Um, and we start looking and I basically just start having papers and I'm just signing. I wasn't even, that's the biggest mistake. I was getting papers and I wasn't even reading. I was just signing. I would ask him, what's this? Oh, this is your closing paperwork. This is this, this is that, this is your HOA. And then I get to this paper, which is doing a breakdown of the, the actual cost. So my understanding was 149, that's it. What they ended up doing was they rolled in some of my closing costs into my principal, and then on top of that, I thought you couldn't do that. Uh, they did. It was some of the uh, in the VA loans you can, they can roll in some of your closing into some of your closing. Oh, okay. So um, they rolled in some of the closing into the uh, principal to that, and then on top of that, uh, the interest rate was not showing as three point seven five in the. Um, on the paperwork, it was showing as four. Mm-hmm. So I just asked a simple question: Hey, how come it's it's not one fourteen? It's one seventeen, or hey, how come it's um it's not it's you know this is not three point seven five? So they said, oh, that's just those are that, that's a typo error, you know that we'll get that fixed after you sign everything. I didn't think anything of it. My realtor was like, yeah, get it signed. You're good to go. <sighs> so we get we get everything signed. I you know we move in. You know, the, the the townhouse was great. Then I start learning the hard truth about real estate. I get my first bill from Wells Fargo um, because so the mortgage company we used. What ends up happening with a lot of mortgage companies, especially with local companies or even you know new with builder more uh, mortgage companies or anybody, what ends up happening is usually before your first bill is due, they sell your loan to a bank, whether it's Wells Fargo, whether it's um, you know you know. Uh, I don't know, security service, whatever your bank is, uh, you know, well, uh, whatever the banks are right now, USA, they sell that, that, you know, that, that loan to the bank. So usually you get, when you get your first bill, it comes directly from that bank and it's like, Hey, we're now your servicer. You're now, uh, your loan is now part of this bank, you know, have a nice day. So what ends up happening is, uh, I get the first bill and my balance, my principal is 179 and I'm like what and my 
interest rate is 4%. So I'm flipping out. I'm like, what are you? I thought these were placeholders. So I call the realtor and she goes, oh, I guess they didn't fix it. Well, there's nothing we can do now. The bank has it. Sorry, nothing we can do. So I'm, I'm livid. I'm like, wait a minute. We, so that right there taught me the biggest lesson of all. When you're buying a house, make sure you read everything. I think our closing took maybe 20 minutes, literally, to sign every piece of paper and get the keys and walk out, 20 minutes. Your closing should not take 20 minutes. You should be able to read every paper. You should not be rushed to sign anything. And if anything that you are seeing on a piece of paper is not what you agreed to, you can get up and you can walk away. I know you're saying, but Julio, this is my dream house. But Julio, this is like, this is our forever home. This is, you know, we've been working towards this. Better to get what you were talked about, whatever they told you they were going to give you, better to get it right then and there than to sign a piece of paper and be stuck with something for a very long time. Because to get out of a mortgage is a lot harder, especially if you're, if you're trying to sell it, if you're trying, if you're in an area that's hard to sell, it's hard to get out of it than it is to deal with it right then and there. And that's where I go to my next step. I didn't research the area. I didn't research the pricing. The so, area wasn't a bad area. It's a very, very nice no, area. No, it was a great there. area. So, but wait. what I mean the area in this yes. regards is if there is no base, there is no jobs, there is no Jacksonville. So, turns out that Jacksonville was kind of in a giant upswing when the entire uh, country was still kind of in recovery. From 2008. From 2008, uh, Jacksonville was, you know, flying high. They actually were, their, some of their prices were actually well above what the market normally Explain. can handle. And that was due to September, September 11th, but also still from like military troops being sent out to Afghanistan and yeah. to... So, yeah, so the area was seeing a large wave of military personnel that was still coming to the area. So because there were so many people coming into the area and so many people were using housing. the base, there was way more housing, you know, that was, you know, the housing that was available was able to sell for a lot more. What ends up turning out is that when the rest of the country's recovering, you know, 2011, 2012, Jacksonville's now economy is going down because now they're doing cutbacks in troops... They're doing cutbacks and people coming into you know certain Jacksonville. So now the prices of houses are plummeting. So what I didn't notice was that in the area that we bought, we bought what was considered their all-time high for townhouses. Again, I didn't research. So now when we start looking at our house, you know, two, three years later, we're upside down the home almost 12K. And I'm flipping out like, well, we we need we're gonna be out of here, you know, in the next two, three years. We need to, you know, we need to sell this house. What we can get, what we can get back for it. So that was mistake number two. I didn't research the area. Mistake number three, which was. But honestly, I don't think you would have, like, even though you didn't research, like, I don't think we would have known that until we actually like lived there and experienced it and realized what was actually going well, on. Well, I, I would say yes and no. I would say yes and no because a lot of times that's why it's good to really know the area. You know, believe it or not, if you look at you know websites like Zillow. You look at a website like Realtor.com. If you get savvy with it, you can actually see what the comparables prices have been in that area. You can also see, if you work with a really good realtor, you can also see what the average sales have been in the last 60, 90, 120, or even the last yeah, year. Yeah, but you had no experience. Exactly. So, so, so hence this hence, podcast. Exactly, which is why I'm, I'm coming out here right now you know, to really get you guys savvy on this. So that's why I recommend you know, when you're looking at these areas, look at... What the sales have been in the last 60 days, last 90 days, last 120 days? What has it been in the last year? 
are the prices that are out there right now the highest they've ever been? And what is the what is the area like as far as is it a military town? Is it is the base what is the lifeline of that city? Is it uh, tourism? That's a lifeline of that area. Mm-hmm. Is it uh, you know agriculture? What is the businesses, or the business or businesses that is keeping that area afloat? If it's something that is very seasonal, maybe you might want to consider what you're going to buy there. Maybe you want, might want to rent. If you're being relocated because you're in the military, maybe you might want to consider renting first before you buy. Yes. Um, because honestly, you know, when we got there, we even found out that there were way more apartment options that were there, and that they actually would work with you if you're military personnel, which we didn't know either. But I also think too, it depends, like Julio was saying, like research the area because it depends on where you're going. For example, not to like get too far up ahead, but San Antonio is a very big military town. Oh, maybe I shouldn't buy. However, the ready market here is very, very good. So you need to research the area. However, if you're going to 29 Palms in California, that's a desert. Maybe it's not so great because only military people are going into that area. Correct. So it's very important to research the area you're moving into. Because then it goes to my last point when we went to go ahead and look at selling. Yes. Um, we were upside down $20,000. So literally, I saw the price of our house literally go So from, we were upside 12 and then... Then we went from upside... We went from upside down 5 in our first year to 12, I think, two years later, down to 20 when we were about to relocate. So if I were to sell my house, basically, I would have had to pay $20,000 to get out of my loan, which I did not have. So we ended up having to rent and rent out our place. Um... I, to be honest with you, we still own that property in Jacksonville, North Carolina. It's like our ball and chain. It is. And, you know, I, I honestly, I use it as a, as a lesson to myself and to anybody that I meet. It's important to research. It's important to educate yourself. And it's important to know what the market is. Be very careful with trusting people in, in sales. Because a lot of times, a lot of people... While some want to help you out, some are really there just to make a buck. So unfortunately, in that situation, you know we, you know we hit a we hit a dead end. But the you know as time went on, and we'll and we'll talk here in, in the next uh, podcast episode, you know about you know how you know how things changed, how we look for other houses, you know what the process was to you know to work with different realtors, how to find a good realtor, things like that. But in order to keep this uh, this one going, um. So it's important to understand the why, like we talked about. It's important to understand how much you can afford. Once you have all these things then put down on paper, then you can start looking for a house. I recommend at first, like I said, once you research the area, research pricing, start looking at where you want to live and what the houses go for in that area. I know in San Antonio, when we first got out here, I was like, well, I want to live in Stone Oak, even though I didn't know anything about San Antonio. I was like, why do we... And I immediately told him that's a great area. However, because he doesn't have no idea what San Antonio is like only for the few months that he lived here, um, that Stone Oak actually has two HOAs. So that's a huge amount. And the housing prices are higher there. Yeah. So for me, I, I didn't know this. I just saw a nice area, a lot of cool stuff to do. I want to live in Stone Oak. So... I was shocked when I learned all these things. So then I said, okay, this is what we can afford. Where can we live? 
And, you know, we, we just started looking. So we'll, before we even got with the realtor, we just started driving around and looking at, you know, what we could afford. You know, started going on Zillow, on Realtor.com, and really started looking at what we can afford. And when we saw something we could afford, we would go out and drive and look at it. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do we like about this house? It has a nice kitchen. It has a nice this. But you know what? We don't like the backyard. Or, hey, this has great kitchen, but it's tiny and bedrooms. I, and I, and I want to, like, highlight driving around because everyone goes to Zillow. And I think we use Zillow to find, like, houses that we like. But then we would also, like, we'd be driving around. And we would, like he said, we went to the areas that we liked. And we ended up, there's always open houses. And realtors don't always, like, post right away or well in advance if they're going to have an open house. Because the seller has to decide kind of, like, last minute. And so we just be driving around to go look at one house and then all of a sudden there'd be like four other open houses that we would see, which gave us a really, and one of our realtors said that they don't believe that, that signs out in the front sell houses, but we are a firm believer that it does because those signs actually led us to other houses. But more importantly, like we were able to see what that area looked like, yeah. what the neighbors looked like, um, yeah. what kind of cars, not trying to judge like the kind of car you had, but like where there are a lot of beat up cars, like because, you know, of whatever, like just run down cars that were just stayed in the in the neighborhood because that could bring your home value down. So um, we wanted to see, is there a lot of kids playing like just Things you wouldn't think about when you see a house on Zillow. Because remember, on Zillow, they're going to get the house's best face. Yeah. So I think it's important to, like, drive around. Think of Zillow like Tinder. <laughs> Stop it. I've never been on Tinder. But I can imagine, you know, swipe right, swipe left. You're going to do everything you can for people to swipe right. All right? So, you know, that's why it's called angles. Angles, fellas. Angles. <laughs> I don't know. I just heard that one time. Angles. So... You're going to, you know, they're going to make the grass look super green. They're going to make everything look super nice. And, you know, it's true. Like, Leslie says, you know, it's going to, you're not going to get a real feel for the neighborhood. Like, until you actually drive around. I think we went to look, I mean, this is, I know, we went to look at a, a new house. And, like, literally, they were like, oh, let's take you to this other house. And, you know, we'll go look at it. It's already built. Well, literally, right next door, it was, I think it was like, probably what 10 o'clock in the morning not yeah. that that's super early but the guy was literally working on his car and like i looked at the garage because yes i am nosy but for this reason because i looked and i was like hmm he has lots of tools and they're very like mechanical car oriented this looks like he doesn't do this like just for a hobby like this is something he does all the time and i was immediately turned off because it's like all right, yeah, it's 10 a.m., but I really don't want to hear that on the weekend. It was blaring, you know? blasting music everywhere. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, so it gave us an idea of, of the neighborhood. So, you know, hop in a car, look around, see what's available in the market, see what you can, you know, what you can, what is in that area that you can afford, and is it an area that you want to live in? I'm going to be honest with you. If you're a first-time home buyer and your budget is not that high, you might have to live in a different. You might not be able to live in your dream neighborhood. It, it, it's a fact of life. I remember when we first got here and we moved into our first home. It was not the area we wanted to live in. It was nowhere near. And I was frustrated because I'm like, I don't want to live out here. I want to live closer to here. I want to live closer where we stuff to do. But at the end of the day, we could not afford to live in these areas. Where we were, where we ended up moving. And even was, now, like it, we love our house, but it's not in the area. It's great. It's not Stone Oak. It's not Bernie, where we would like love to live well and it's yeah we're talking about texas so i mean yeah so think about your area where you are you know it's not where you love to live but it's like 
you know, it it it, it meets our needs. Yes. It, we can afford it. We're comfortable. We can still vacation. We can still buy things. You know, you, you want to make sure you're not house poor. This is why I tell people, don't buy a house to keep up with the Joneses. Or don't buy a house to just show Impress, off. Yeah, because yeah, I'm telling you right now. Yeah, people will come to your house and be like, oh, nice house. But they're going to end up leaving your house. And then you're going to end up having to go to bed in that room wondering how the heck you're going to end up paying that mortgage next month. Or having to pay that HOA. Or having to pay, you know, maintenance. Or if you have a huge yard, having to pay for water to all that grass. That's a story for another day. But it's, you know, it's, you have, these are things you have to really think about because a house is a very important purchase. For a lot of times, you're talking about a quarter of a million dollars, half a million dollars. Heck, in some cases for some of you, a million dollars. This is a very big investment. Houses are, yeah, you know, are, are stuff that are going to, you know, that are going to take up a chunk of your time, earnings. a chunk of your earnings, and it, you're going to be paying this for a significant amount of time. So you need to make sure that you're making the right choice when you buy a house. This is not like a car. You so can't like a marriage. Yeah, a very expensive marriage. <laughs> but it's like, you know, but it's like you can't flip a house like you can flip a car. You know, that's that's the one thing you have to know. There's a lot of, you know, a process that take place when you're going to sell a house. Now, another thing to know is, if you live in an area that is a very desirable area, houses can fly very fast. So if you're driving around looking at houses and you know that you qualify, you need to move quickly. Especially if you're in an area where literally houses are, I remember when we first got to San Antonio, houses were flying off. We would look at a house and say, oh wow, we like it. We would talk to the realtor, oh yeah, it's already under contract. And I'm like, we literally just saw it like an hour ago. Yeah, it went under contract about an hour ago. I was like, oh man. So it was like, you need to know what market you're working with. Are you working with a a very, you know, um, uh, a buyer's market or you're working in a seller's market? You know, what is what is the market that you're currently in? So with that, you know, to kind of segue a little bit. So, you know, now that we know the why, we know what, what you're buying, we know, you know, how you're going to buy this. You need to understand, I think, the next thing you really need to understand are mortgage options. I don't work with it. We don't, we're not working with a mortgage company. I'm not telling you go use this bank, go use that bank, go use this independent person. Uh, I right now want to talk to you to make sure you understand what kind of loans are out there in the market. And I want to start off with my bread and butter, which was the VA loan. The VA loan, uh, you know, it is a great, an amazing, I think that's one of the biggest benefits that I think the military gives its personnel. The ability to really buy a house with, with as little hassle as possible. Mm-hmm. Now, with any loan you're going to look at, you're going to have positives, you're going to have negatives. I'm not here to tell you today, you need to, you know, use this loan, use that loan. What I am going to do is I'm going to steer you, steer you clear of certain loans that you should truly never touch, like adjustable rate loans, like USDA loans. And we'll get into those here in a little bit. But you also, you there are going to be certain loans that I know for a fact are going to do you more harm than good. But uh, I, what the three I'm going to present to you today are three that are available to you that can work positively for you and that can, you know, are... Uh, available to most people you know in the market right now now at the end of the day you need to know which one is the best one for you that's why i think it's important for you to sit down with a mortgage company and or with even um an independent mortgage uh broker to really sit down and they can show you you know what is the best loan for you i also you for like example the va loan not everybody will qualify for a va loan you would have to be an active duty uh, a service member uh in order to utilize a va loan so there are going to be some loans we're going to talk about here and as we go on that you will be able to use or some of you will not be able to use. 
And again, there are going to be positives and negatives with each one of these loans. At the end of the day, it's what's the best one that's going to work for you, not to fit your, not to fit you, to get you into a house, but to make sure you can afford this house. So, VA loan. Basically, uh, if you are um, Department of Veteran Affairs or if you are a veteran of the United States military or you're an active duty military member, you get automatic access to a VA loan. Basically, what a VA loan does is it is a loan that is backed by the VA, the Veterans Administration, that in the event that you are unable to pay your loan, uh, the VA will step in and they will cover the cost of the loan. Know that if you are getting a VA loan, the best thing about VA loans are the following. No down payment uh, is uh, mandated unless it's required by the lender. So a lot of times uh, if, if, uh, if a lender requires some kind of down payment with a VA loan, you do not have to do that. Now, if you're buying a new house, there is some earnest money that you might have to do. That is a side regardless of whatever loan you're getting. So if you are buying a new home, a lot of times they'll ask you anywhere between 500 all the way up to three thousand dollars earnest money. Well, even a our... seller can ask for that. As Correct, because well, we did. Correct, I, and you could ask for do- a down payment. Uh, a lot of times, that's to hold, to know that you're serious about buying this house and to hold that spot for you to mm-hmm. buy that house. So, um, the biggest benefit of a VA loan is there's no PMI. PMI is private mortgage insurance. Private mortgage insurance, uh, you see this a lot um, with what are considered. Um, conventional loans, which we'll talk here about in a second. But basically what PMI is, if you put less than 20% down for a house, you have to pay what's called a private mortgage insurance. And that's tacked on on top of your interest, your principal, your insurance, and your taxes. So the good thing about a VA loan is you don't have to worry about PMI whenever you're getting this loan. Uh, a lot of times you're uh, when you're buying a new home, if so, if the builder wants to pay for your full closing, they can do that. With a lot of the other loans, they can only cover a percentage of your closing. But the great thing about a VA loan is that you can ask for the full close and they will um, uh, they will be paid. And if you're buying it from a seller, let's say from a private seller, uh, whether it's you know um, another home another homeowner, you they you can ask them for the um, full closing. I'll just give you a word to the wise: if you're buying a home from from a used home that's from somebody that is currently selling their home, uh, nine times out of ten they will not pay for full closing. Depending on where you are, Jacksonville, North Carolina, they demand that you put full close because it's such a hard market to sell. Mm-hmm. But in an area like San Antonio or like in other other hot areas like Tennessee and things like that, you saying I want full close, good luck with that because they're not going to give you full close many times. Um, so those are just some of the key things when it comes to the VA loan. You know, the big, the best thing about the VA loan is, you know, I remember when I when I first got it, it was you know they check the credit, make sure you have a good credit score. Um, they also made sure that there's a lot of processes when it comes to the VA, but one thing to also think, uh, know about the VA is that, um, there is, it's a longer process to buy a house on top of that. There are also a lot more fees than you would see in a conventional loan. So while there are positives with that, you don't have to put any money down that you don't have to, uh, you know, you can ask for full closing. Just know that when your closing costs do come up, uh, they are, they tend to be higher when you use a VA loan. So that's why when you hear people say that they're higher fees incorporated with a VA loan, that is regarding your closing costs. So know for a fact that if you're going this route, you will be paying higher fees. Uh, also know that 
when it comes to a VA loan and you're going through a closing or even going through a sale, that there are tedious processes. There's an inspector's got to come through and search the house. They've got to make sure that everything's up to you know standards. That if the VA were to you know take over the loan, that it'd be something they can sell. So it's not something that's gonna happen overnight. And a lot of times when you're looking for a VA inspector, they can come within a day. They can come within thirty days. And depending on the area, it could take up to a month or two months just to come by and inspect the house. It, the VA does not have a, a deadline. <laughs> they have their own schedule. So just know that you are at the mercy and the restrictions of whatever the VA sets in place. Um, so, I mean, if you're, so for, for us, it was great. You know, uh, when we, like I said, in the North Carolina house, we put 500 bucks back. We ended up getting it back in closing. Uh, when we came to, uh, you know, to uh, San Antonio and we used our VA loan again, you know, it was something that, um, you know, we were able to use multiple times. Now, that's one thing I want to point out real quick. If you use your VA loan one time, the only way you can use it again is as long as you're not using, so there are limits that are set in place. Um, if you are not, have not surpassed your limit, we can go in, and again, this is very limited in time here, but we can go in more depth into the VA loan, but there are limits that you cannot hit. So you got you either have to sell your old, your other home or you get a second VA loan. Again, VA loans will only cover, and I believe the last time I saw it was about 400. 450-ish. It was about, four, it was about $450,000. Uh, give or take, you know that 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 amount does change, but there's also a limit as far as a percent that you can have uh, used for your VA. If you've used most of your amount of VA in one house, if you're trying to buy a second, you're not yeah. going to be able to. Also, know that if you buy a house with your VA, you have to live in that home for at least one year. So you can't use a VA loan to go buy a vacation home, for example. You have to live in that home for at least one year. Um, which you don't have that issue with an FHA or a conventional loan. So know that as well. So ultimately, benefits, I would say, lots of benefits that you have, lots of area, things you must consider when you're getting into a VA loan. Um, the next kind of loan that we're looking at here, I would say is what's called an FHA. So FHAs are pretty much a you know federal housing administration. These were basically designed you know for low to moderate income borrowers. You know, uh, basically it... An FHA loan, the good thing about them was that they require uh, a low minimum down payment and, you know, a credit score that, you know, that it's uh, like it's not as high as you would need for a conventional loan. Now, um, you, basically the down payment that they usually ask for an FHA is about 3.5%. So when you're looking to buy a house, there is a certain amount you have to put down. Like I said, for, if for VA... Uh, you put you you don't have to put anything down, and they, and you can go ahead and buy the house. Uh, with FHA, you need at least three point five percent. So if your house is gonna be, um, you know, th- three hundred fifty thousand dollars, you need to put at least at minimum three point five percent down in order to even qualify for that loan. So know that if that's the route you're gonna go in, you're going to, have, um, to have, have to have that money up front. Now, um. FHA loans require that you pay two types of mortgage insurance premiums. There's what's called an upfront mortgage insurance premium or a UFMIP and an annual MIP and that's charged monthly. The upfront uh, MIP is equal to about 1.75 of the base loan amount and you pay this at the time of closing or, or it can be rolled into the loan. So know that I, I, I'm not a big advocate of rolling things into your loan. The more stuff you roll in, the higher you make your principal, 
then you just know you got to pay interest on that for the next 30 years. Because a lot of times when people take out a loan, it's for at least 30 years. Now, the annual M- uh, MIP or the annual mortgage insurance premium uh, payments are every month. And the payment ranges anywhere between 0.45 to about 1.05% of the base loan amount. So again, if you're getting large large loans, these these uh, insurances and premiums tend to add up as time goes on. So just know one other thing when it comes to these um, annual MIPs. Uh, these all depend on the loan amount, the length of the loan, and the original loan-to-value ratio. Typical MIP cost is usually about 0.85. So know that, we, and we'll talk more about next week about loan-to-value ratios and you know how that works when it comes to you getting a loan. But the last thing I want to talk about here is a conventional loan. So conventional loan is something that's not a federal loan. So when you look at FHA, these are federal loans. These are backed by the government. So that's when back in the days you would see the Freddie, you know, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. Yes. You know, so conventional loan is you're basically looking to do um, to get financing that is through a bank. So if you go through Wells Fargo, USAA, you know, Security Service, mm-hmm. whatever your bank is, you're looking to get that loan from that bank. Uh, a lot of times when you're doing this, no property that's ever used a conventional loan is ever a hundred percent. Uh, finance. Just know that when it comes to this kind of loan, these are ones that do, do have a lot less fees, and these are the kind of loans that people use to buy uh, higher, uh, higher value houses. Mm-hmm. Now, there are several factors that depend on your interest rate. You know, we're looking at, you know, from interest rate. I mean, from uh, credit, your credit score. You need at least a 680 in order to qualify uh, for a conventional loan. Uh, your debt to income ratio is huge. When it comes to this conventional loan, like I had said before, when we looked at our debt to income ratio, we were at what seven, you know, over seventy percent. It was yeah. yeah. So the you know the number you want to be around is anywhere between thirty six percent and no more than forty three percent. So if you're over, if you're doing your your budget and you're seeing that your debt to income is at fifty, at sixty, there is a good chance you will not qualify for a conventional loan. Down payment is the big one when it comes to a conventional loan. A lot of these require at least 20% down. If you do not put 20% down for this, you will have to pay PMI. And you will continue to pay PMI until at least 20% equity is in the house. So if you're in an area where equity is not building, so if we would have gotten a conventional loan with our you know, house in North Carolina, yeah. we would still be paying PMI you know, 10 years later due to the fact that our house, you know, even to this date, still is not hit. 20% does not have 20% equity in it. And equity is, sad. yeah, so equity is the value that your house gains over time. So if you're in a good, in a good area when you close on a house, like I remember when we closed on our house currently, um, you know, our house already had gained equity of $10,000. That's amazing. Yes. So that's a good area that has good quality and is building good equity. So just know that when you're getting into these loans, um, these, like I said, conventional loans are used for a lot of purchases for you know homes that are priced you know five hundred thousand and above, so just know that if you're looking to get a conventional loan, you have to be ready for down payment. You have to be ready for your closing cost. You cannot have a, a, a seller or a builder cover your one hundred percent closing when it comes to these loans. So, you know it's a lot of stuff we just covered. Yes, a lot of different kinds of loans, a lot of different opportunities, but I think the key things to take away here is what why are you buying. What are you buying? Do you qualify? 
and what is out there for you to use if you're going to buy a home. Anything you want to add, you know, especially when it comes to the home buying process. And, you know, I know a lot of times couples fight when they're buying a house. You know, what are what are kind of some last minute words that you want to kind of leave to our listeners as well? Well, as you can tell, Julio is the one that obviously, like I promise you, knows the most about this type of information. I was more focused. Like for me, because I was from San Antonio, I knew the area. So I kind of like took the lead on that because he was going in blind on that on that part so um if you are a couple or you're someone that kind of knows the area then go off your instincts go off what you know about the place um because you talked about um we also talked about know where you're gonna buy um and i would just say like if you and your spouse are not like agreeing on something um or you just don't have peace or feel comfortable about it, then don't do it. Because, I mean, you like we said, you don't want to be stuck in a house that you don't want to live in, or more importantly, a neighborhood that you don't want to live in. Yeah. And again, you know, I just gave you very brief, very big skim-throughs on these mortgage loans. We're here to help. Again, are we like the top, top, top experts? No, we're not. They're always, there's always going to be somebody that's going to know more than us. For sure. But our, uh, what we recommend is if you want more information, you have our our email address, ljmindustry mm-hmm. at gmail.com. And I also recommend seek out a you know a good realtor or a good mortgage expert yes. in order for them to give you more breakdowns on uh, mortgages as a whole. Well, that was a fun episode. Don't sure. you think so? Oh, yes. Very knowledgeable. Oh, I feel like I want to put a monocle on and be like, hello, <laughs> buy, sell, best ends. <laughs> Bears are so weird. I don't know. But uh, thank you all again. This was episode seven of, of Hold Up How Much. I feel like we've, you know, explored a lot here today. Uh, again, thank you for supporting us. Thank yes. you for listening to us. We thank you for all the new listeners that we've gained. Yes, thank you, know, you so here, much. Uh, in the last few months. Again, you can find us on Spotify. You can find us on CastBox. You can find us on Anchor, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, wherever else you get your podcast. And again, please rate, subscribe, leave some comments. If you're listening to us on Anchor Podcast, you can leave us a voicemail. Just make it brief and don't tell me that I sound weird because I know I sound weird. And again, <laughs> as always, I'm Julio. And I'm Leslie. This is Hold Up. How much? All right, guys. You have a good weekend. Bye. 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 Bye.